The Bully Girl Magazine podcast is your dog-eared audio destination, bookmarking the most compelling tales and insights from the vast canine universe. While we passionately dive in the world of bully breeds, dispelling myths, offering training tips, and discussing breed standards, our scope isn't limited. We cast our net wide to encompass a diverse range of dog breeds, ensuring no tale is left untold. Enhanced by expert interviews and inspiring stories, this podcast is a beacon for responsible ownership and breed education. It's where bully breed enthusiasts meet the broader dog-loving community, fostering unity, understanding, and share joy in every bark and wag. So whether you're out walking your dog or listening at home, enjoy the show and keep coming back. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you are listening or watching the Bully Girl Magazine podcast. Joining us today is Ron Papa Pitt Ramos, international dog show judge specializing in all bully breeds. He has judged for the major registries in the U.S. and worldwide. He is a mentor. He is amazing. And it is an honor, Ron, to have you on the Bully Girl Magazine podcast. Thank you, Lisa. It's uh, honestly got to. It's a real pleasure to invite me, you know. And I and I did a little investigating. I want to see your page and some of the uh, pods you did. So, I, and I gotta say, I'm impressed. You know, some you you have a good uh, variety of people you run a doctor and other people like that, and you know, cooking and everything. And I thought it was really impressive that you know you have a big genre of uh, different variety of. Uh, concept that you're sharing with everybody so that's awesome oh good yeah yeah i've been doing a lot of stuff for 25 years in media and i absolutely love it and i have to say this is at the top because i am obsessed with pit bulls and that got me into all of the bully breeds and i want to start by asking you the same two questions i ask everybody the first is does your dog or dogs do something funny quirky or different that makes you smile oh yes it just just being with them it, to me is therapy. You know, you know, uh, oh, yeah. you know, life gets so complex and uh, stressful that these animals yeah. do everything. My my favorite are watching the Frenchies because they're just yes. the clowns. You know, these little guys, you know, they're a hundred percent. They go go go. They never stop. You know, and they're like little children. You got to keep an eye on them because they're always, they're always in the mischief. And she's got a little twin brother around her. Don't They're identical. They're both pie balls. They're both brother sister. But these two together, it's just a joy to watch them play with each other. You know, Not I fun. you know, it's funny because I was so excited. I'm like, I can't believe I didn't say who is that cutie you are holding. So who is that cutie you are holding? This Tell is a about. Chula. This is a little Chula, Chula. and her little brother's Hito. And it's spelled oh. like Hero, but we pronounce it Hito. But uh and like I said, they're both identical. They're both little beautiful. Little balls, Hi, and baby. they're only about I'm gonna say nine months old, I'm saying. Uh but gorgeous little dogs though. And like I said, they're a pleasure to have these dogs. They're uh again, like I said, they're they're inquisitive and they'll keep you busy. Yeah, they're really a, absolutely adorable. Now, the next question is, when did your love of dogs begin? And then when did your love of bully breeds, and I know it was pit bulls for you, just like for me, uh, begin? You know, you know, growing up uh, in the small town where I am, you know, so, uh, the town is double. And to give you an idea, today the population in my little town is 1,600 people. Oh, my you gosh. Know? So it's a tiny little town. You know, <laughs> to be honest with you, I would have never have dreamt of uh, – Doing what I do, you know, being a judge, international dog show judge that is uh, known throughout the world. Uh, and it all started from a very young age, you know, as a kid growing up. We've always had a dog. You know, when you live on the farm country, you know, yeah. having a dog is uh, like, you know, necessity, you know, saying. And all my life, I had just about every breed you could imagine, you know, uh, from Samoyed to German Shepherd, Doberman, Poodles, Chihuahuas, you name it, you know, Pomeranians. We've had just about everything growing up. And the passion for the dogs actually stemmed from my father. God rest his soul, man. You know, he was a guy that always brought me a new dog when one would pass away. You know, he'd go come back and he'd always bring me a, a pedigree dog. And so, and it all started back then. And then I fell in love with the pit bull, you know. And once I seen my first pit bull, I was like, wow, this is the dog. You know, the muscle, you know, everything about the dog, the driver, everything. And I had to have a pit bull. And although they would come in and out of my life, 
I always gravitated back to the pit bull because I was just admired, memorized by the dogs. You know, I started going to like some of the weight pool competitions, but and and it never stopped. You know, saying I had to have one. So that's yeah. pretty much uh, how I got started. Like I said, just very young age, thanks to my father. Oh, that's wonderful. And yeah, I mean, for me, pit bulls are everything. They're smart. <laughs> they're loyal. They're sweet. They're cuddly. They're just unique. You know, I've had so many dogs. people say, I, my husband thinks they're aliens yeah. that are dressed like dogs that are very people-like aliens because <laughs> they're just so, un- like I compare, like my lab, he's a dog. My husband's always like, he's a lab, but blue, it's like, there's something else going on in there. You know, they're just so interesting. They are. So, the, you know, people don't realize that uh, some of the people that are come across the pit bull with all the bad press and notoriety oh, is if you do your research, they were actually called the nanny's dog. Yes. Uh, for the fact of the matter that in the farm days, you know, they would uh, leave the children with a dog and he would protect the children. Yeah. You know, he was not uh, a child killer or anything what these people perceived them to be. You know, But like anything else, something becomes very popular and they fall into the wrong hands and then we get those situations. But in yes. reality, you know, some these dogs are amazing. They're very loving. They're very kind. Yeah, they are. You know, and uh, when they fell into some of the wrong hands, that's when we started having problems. Absolutely. And this is happening right now today in the UK. I don't know if you're aware of the ban that just happened in the yes. UK. And it's tragic because, you know, they're literally taking away the exile bullies and euthanizing them. There's no ifs and buts about it. They're taking the dogs and they're giving you, I think it was like 200 pounds, which is the equivalent of like, you know, $225. You know, it's so, so insulting. It's, uh, yeah, it, it just, it's just sad, you know, thing. And, uh, they're fighting it as best as possible. And I think what they need to do also is incorporate some type of a way to export the dogs out of there so they're not euthanized to people that are willing to accept them and care for them. Yes. You know, like I said, you know, some, nobody wants it to happen. Uh, I know that there was that happened in Denver, Colorado. Mm-hmm. I believe it was 2002. I could be wrong. And yeah, they literally true. went door to door, taking pit bulls from the people's homes and euthanizing them. There was actual photos of uh, piles of pit bulls that were killed, you know, you know, for the, oh, uh, God. That's for the sake of uh, brief legislation. You know, so it was kind of sad. Oh, it's tragic. And it doesn't even work. It does I not work. It, it's such BS. That's the thing. It, BSL is BS. Let's, you know. That's, you're right. You know, I mean, they don't have the manpower yeah. to support it. It just, it just costs no. more money and it does no good. Exactly. They no, it doesn't. It. No, if someone tried to take blue, I'd probably kill them. I'm not even being <laughs> hyperbolic. No, I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm not exaggerating. I know. I, I, dog, I feel like I'm about my, my dog. Every, we love our animals. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really horrible. You know, I did a lot of research on you, and I was really excited to learn that some of your mentors were women. Talk to us about Patty Allen and Pam Carter, and tell us oh, how they influenced God, you. Oh, my God, Patty Allen, is that, that woman, uh, the story that, that, that goes with Patty Allen is that uh, I was married, married young. You know, I got married at 17 years old, and uh, I was going to high school, and I was working at a gas station. My dad didn't want me to quit school, so I was still in high school. Uh, I was working at a gas station, and I told my wife, I just want to have a show dog. I, I've had all these dogs. They were all papers, but I wanted a show dog. Right. So I told her, you know, says, well, she said, yeah, you can go to that one. She says, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get one. She goes, what's going to cost you? I says, back then, it was $500. And she goes, oh, no, that's not going to happen. You know, you've got kids to feed. So I said, okay, I understand. <laughs> so at my place of employment, I set up a little barrel, and I started collecting cans to purchase my first dog from Patty on. Oh. And uh, I chose Patty because she was so willing and so giving that uh, to help me grow into the breed and understand it and how to breed it and care for it, show it. And she would have mock shows on Saturdays and we all get together and we go through this little scenario, being a little show and training to go into the real deal to the UKC show ring. Right. And uh, this woman, I swear, man, she 
I spent seven days a week at her house. A miracle, a miracle my wife and her husband didn't beat me up, man. You know, because <laughs> I was there whole because I was just so thirsty for, to you know, learn about these dogs. Right. And uh, and she's the one that actually baptized me into the breed as far as showing and understanding uh, show ring etiquette and, you know, the quality of dogs. And so I owe just about everything that that woman is who Papa Pitt is. And uh, the sad thing, the tragic thing is I, I kept trying to find her because she moved out of the area. She moved to Bakersfield, which is uh, two hours south of me. And I found her and I kept procrastinating because I wanted to go down and archive a picture with her because to me it was that important. Yeah. And I lost track of her again. And then I ran into her sister and sad news that she had passed away three years uh, from now, three years past from now. Right. And, so uh, and I never got that picture, but I'm so grateful to Patty Allen. You know, yes. um, just a great lady. Like, and like I said, I can't, I can't thank her for that because it was not for her. There was no Papa Pitt. Right. And, uh, and again, like I said, she was so giving and never, you know, you know, chased me away. I mean, like I swear, I'm not kidding. I was seven days a week just to, just to learn as much as I could. You know? And she then probably you have, appreciated it, you know, oh, I, man, I, but you I, wanted to I, learn. It breaks my heart that she's gone. Like I said, you know, because I wish I, I wish she could have shared some of the stuff I've done. She's seen some of the stuff I was doing when I was traveling around the world. Oh, so that. You know, yeah. but I wanted to get that picture so bad, and uh, I shouldn't have procrastinated. I should have got it done. Yeah. You know, and uh, now for Pam Carter, I met Pam Carter when I started doing the UKC shows, and Pam was like I said, was another amazing lady. You know, um, very knowledgeable. You know, always teaching, always sharing, teaching us how to set up pedigrees and read them, and you know how she did readings and care for the dogs. And so I learned a lot from uh, Pam Carter as well. You know, and some of my latest mentors would be like. Uh, uh, let's see here. We have uh, Jamie Sweet. Jamie Sweet is the person that I go to when I have things that I don't understand or want to, un- you know, interpret as far as how to do a breathing. You know, what what way should I go? And is yeah. this too tight or is this too far out? You know, and always willing to help. Another awesomely uh, great dog person. Another one that was raised in dogs as well. So, you know, in the bully world, I think sometimes the community think that it's a man's world. And yeah. ironically, you know, the the best dogs that I've ever seen have always come out of woman-owned kennels. You know, uh, some of the some of the top kennels in the AKC and the UKC were all women. You're saying there's many great women in the breed world of these dogs. And I know that people think that these dogs are so tenacious, you know, the history of the fighting and that. But these women did an amazing job of raising them and, you know, creating such beautiful animals. So uh, my hat's off to all the lady breeders out there, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, speaking of your hat, I love the story. You can share that with us. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I'll give you the story of both the hat and the name. Yeah. You know, the, the name came about, you know, the name is something that I did not dub myself. I did not look in the mirror and say, hey, you're going to be Papa Pitt. Right. You know, that didn't happen. Uh, that was during the time when I was Pam Carter at the UKC shows. And uh, there was a young lady by the name of Lee Slashinger, uh, awesome girl, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. she would go to the shows and... I, I looked at her like my daughter. In fact, I got my second show dog uh, from her. And actually, I didn't get it from her. My brother did. And so I would show up to the shows. And I've been great almost <laughs> since a young age. Our family gets great. So, you know, she, I would go early and I'd help people set up in the, at the venues for the mm-hmm. dog shows. And uh, one day, Lee says, you know, Ron, you're, you're like everybody's papa. I said, I'm going to call you Papa Pit. Well, she baptized me and the name has stuck since and I, I can't shake it. <laughs> that was I love part it. of the icon, you know, so, and as far as the hat, uh, I was doing a show in Hawaii uh, one time, and I didn't realize the heat, you know, I come from the valley, it's very hot here, but the yeah. heat there's a little different, it reflects off the water back down to the islands, yeah. and it feels like it's not really getting to you, and I started getting a, a slight heat stroke, 
And one of the guys says, you know, at first I thought, oh, no, I can't have a stroke. I, you know, it's 110, 115 where I'm at. Oh, no, I'm telling you, that's what's happening. Right. So with that being said, uh, they ran out and got me a little hat. And similar to this one, it was a Quicksilver, but the brim was a little more fodder. It was like what they call a pork pot. And oh, uh, yeah. I started wearing the hat. And the next show happened to be back in the Valley again here in California. Mm -hmm. And I do a show here. And these people said, Ron, we would like to take a picture of you. So I said, okay, let's take a picture. Oh. Well, they said, okay, well, where's the hat? I said, what do you mean, where's the hat? He said, yeah, you had a hat on in Hawaii. So it happens, oh. so happens, the wife had the hat that did the show. And she goes, okay, put the hat on. So I put the hat on, and it's never come off. Uh, oh, well, it suits you. <laughs> oh, thank you. But again, these are just stories about how this all came about. A lot of people wonder, you know, how do I get the hat started on the name? These, these were not things that I'd given to myself. It was just right. uh, situations that came about, and that's what happened. You know, so And it's I been there ever that. since. It's, it's been stuck. You know, that's the way it's been. <laughs> now, I really loved reading about some of the dogs. Ramos Porky, Ramos Terminus Q, Ramos uh, Too Thick Nick. I love that. I think he compared Ramos Too Thick Nick to Winnie the Pooh. And Perfecta Perfina. Tell us about yes. these dogs <laughs> oh man you know something uh is an amazing boy man he's black and white just gorgeous and mm -hmm. that's before we had the name change uh one day we decided to change it to call it papa pistons everybody papa pistons. they really didn't know ramos that well right yeah, but he was a beautiful amazing animal and you know you want to talk about too thick nick too yeah. thick nick was probably probably one of the first uh bully pockets you know and there was other people oh. that were doing them but he was at he was up there there was other people that had them as well there was a gentleman in the east coast in the midwest matter of fact and i'm drawing a blank for his name but he had them also and then there was a kennel in southern california that specialized in little tiny dogs before they were called pockets and all that stuff and they advertised them as the greatest apartment dogs because they were little small dogs but oh. they were still pit bull bully looking and stuff but they were really cool and they they were very successful i think it I want to say it was Alvarado Kennels back then. I'm not sure exactly mm -hmm. who it was. Okay. I, I'm just trying to remember, and I can't remember all the names. But uh, amazing dog. And Porky, you know, Porky is a story in itself because we had his mother, and his mother was ranked number seven uh, in the UKC show ring. Oh, nice. And, and that was at about a year old, and actually seven months old. And a couple of months after that, they stole her from me. And I lost his mother, and it broke my heart. I looked oh. from uh, where I'm at all the way down to Merced, Modesto, down to Bakersfield, putting flyers and, and going door to door. And that's a big area, you know, yes. and we never found the dog. So, oh, I'm so sorry. long story short, she was microchipped. And one day I'm at a show in Los Angeles at an AKC show, or UKC, I think it was UKC show. And they get a call from the SPCA, and they're saying, you know, something, we have your dog here. Oh, and I'm thinking the boys left the gate open in my house, and I'm thinking, oh, when they get home, they're in trouble, right? And yeah. they go, well, do you own the dog named Sugar? And I go, Sugar? I says, is this a prank? You know, this is not funny because that dog was thrown for me, uh, I think it was two years ago, right? Oh, my gosh. And they says, no, this is real. I says, well, you know, I, I, I just can't believe it. The dog was stolen. He goes, it was stolen. I said, yes. And they asked me, where are you at? I said, I'm in Los Angeles. And they said, well, your dog is up in Gresham, Oregon. And that's, <gasps> it's in the Tri-Cities, which is on the corner of Idaho, Washington, and oh Oregon. Oh, my gosh. where they all meet. And uh, they said, you have to come get the dog today. And I said, it's, it's impossible. And I said, you know, I'm, there's no way I can get there today. You know, all the way to California. I said, you know, some please work with me. The dog was stolen for me two years ago. And long story short, they, they, they held the dog for me. And I had friends there. And I gave them all the information, and I told them these are the people that only give it to these people. Do not give it to anybody else. Right. And they actually held the dog for me, and those people went and got the dog for me. And I, two weeks later, I went up to Oregon to get her, and that's when we bred her to produce Porky. 
Oh my God. Well, what was the reunion like? I'm like, wait, oh, what was it? It was, it was, uh, I was in shock. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I was like, I just couldn't believe I was getting her back because she was a very special dog to me. And mm-hmm. I really admired and loved the girl. Just a gorgeous dog. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was, it was almost those points where you, you're all teary eyed and she recognized me and she came to me. So uh, it was just a blessing. And she lived her days here until she passed over here. Oh, uh, one thing about goodness. his mother, which was Sugar Plum, uh, she knew not to go into our bedroom, and in her last days, I couldn't coax her to come lay, put her bed in my room, because I wanted her to be with us when she passed, but yeah. she refused to pass the bedroom door, because she was so used to not being allowed in there, and she passed away at my bedroom door, so it was a, it was a heartbreaking oh, thing. Of but, course. Uh, beautiful dogs, though. Beautiful stories, and uh, I don't regret none of it. Those dogs are just amazing. You know, it, Everything happens for a reason. Oh, yeah. That's just amazing. So take us into the world of judging. How did you get involved? You know, the judging started uh, because I was showing dogs, and, and I really enjoyed it a lot. I felt really comfortable in the show ring, you know, uh, when I was handling for the, in the UKC. Then I went to the AKC. The AKC is like, it's almost like if you're, like, the minor leagues and the major leagues. You know, the minors are some of the other, the, the less popular red trees, and the AKC has been around for many, many years, and it's more of the prestigious type shows. Mm-hmm. And I got into that, and I did that for a couple of years, and I, I was fairly successful in both the UK's AKC, a multiple champion in the UKC, and I had uh, a few champions in the AKC. And uh, I was asked to judge a bully show. I believe it was on the coast here or locally. And I did the show, and uh, I just felt I felt real comfortable. I felt like this is where I belong. And I continued to go there, and lo and behold, they asked me to judge for one of the major bully registries. And I jumped on board, and within a matter of... Uh, months they decided to say some wrong you have a great following people have a high respect for you yeah would you like to be our director of judges so i became director of judges oh. and at one point in time i uh was one of the first few judges you know first major bully registry and from there i helped create committees like the judges uh senior judges board to mm-hmm. rule against you know, violations and so forth that it was not just a single person doing the oh, wow. you know this disciplinary action so i created the oh. you know this, the uh the board of uh, senior judges to dictate over some of the situations. And I helped write some of the things for the uh, judges code ethics and ring ethics and so that. So, and, and it took off from there and had to stop, you know, I mean, I've been so blessed that I've traveled to, I want to say at least 24, 25 different countries judging. Wow. Dogs, I and I, like I said, I would never believe it comes, you know, small farm time boy. This is like, <laughs> I, I pinch myself because I don't believe it sometimes. Just saying. Yeah. That's amazing. Now, what, what are some of your favorite countries? Oh God, that's uh, I've been to some really cool places. Even the places that were not so, you know, inviting. Believe it or not, there's good memories because I had the opportunity to go there. Even, you yeah. know, but uh, I really enjoyed Italy. It was amazing, beautiful. Oh, love it. You know, uh, Ireland was just gorgeous greenery and everything. You know, um, yeah. the food in Thailand, Philippines was amazing. You know, Vietnam was an altogether another crazy, you know, fast-paced city. I've been to small islands such as Guam. I did two shows in Guam. The island of Guam is 11 miles wide by 36 miles long. So oh to give you an idea how tiny the island was, you know, I, I was there. I did Trinidad at Tobago, you know, another favorite place. Jamaica, it's funny about Jamaica is that I was in Jamaica and it's an island and I never mm-hmm. seen a beach. <laughs> I was in it the whole time. <laughs> you know, I was like, man, where's the resorts at? I thought this place was beautiful. And it's a beautiful place, don't get me wrong. Right. But it's a it's a kind of a third world country. But uh, yes. it was just a pleasure to be there. And Mexico, Mexico mm-hmm. is more of an emotional attachment because my dad I'm was from sure. Mexico City. And yeah. when I go there, 
I see visions of him playing in Chapultepec Park soccer, or he boxed. Oh. Excuse me, he boxed, and uh, it's really an emotional attachment when I go there. When I leave it, I get a little somber because uh, it reminds me of my dad so much, just the, the oh story that I heard from him. Yeah, that is so sweet. Now, where are some of the most badass dogs you saw? Like, were there certain countries where it's like, wow, these dogs you know, in particular are pretty cool? <laughs> yeah, you know, so I, I, I got to give it to I got to give it to Europe. And the reason I say that, even when I was doing Amstaffs, they're very disciplined yeah. in their breedings, and they have some really amazing uh, American Staffordshire Terriers. And today they're in the bully breeds, and they have done an excellent job of staying disciplined and creating really beautiful American bullies. But not to take yeah. them from the United States because it's the birthplace. And uh, right. we are we are on the, on the road of progressively getting it better. So it's it's getting better and better every year. And a lot of people yeah. uh, get tired of hearing that it's a new breed, but in reality, it is a new breed because you know twenty years in a breed or twenty five years in a breed is very infant. If you yeah, look at the American Football Terrier, the American Football Terrier is it's way over. I want to say one hundred fifty years old. I don't know the yeah. exact right now, but it's very right. old breed. And it's very established, you know, the bloodline, yes. the look, everything. So it's very cookie cutter, uh, and it's it's been around a long time. But even them are having problems because the fact of the matter is that people lack the discipline to try to stay within the boundaries of the written standards. You yes. know, everybody is trying to create the next freak or the next you know amazing animal, and that's not the purpose of breeding. The purpose of breeding is to create what is written even better. You know, it's not yeah. about being creative and like you know you making a new piece of artwork. But no, it's not that. And, but we won't, we, we won't be able to stop those people. They're going to do their thing. So the only thing you can do is embrace and move forward and try to help them and teach them. And that's yeah, how that's I got started point. with American Bully. Uh, they invited me over. And I felt uh, when I left the AKC, UKC to go to the American Bullies, I got a little bit of a backlash because mm. they were in the impression that they're going to ruin the breed. And uh, wow. yeah, so they were really hard about it. And so I, I told a lot of my friends that were, you know, saying, why are you going? I said, you know, it's easy to stand on the sideline through the rocks. I'm right. going to take a proactive stance and get in there and teach them how to show dogs and, you know, hopefully help them a little bit with breeding techniques and, you know, yeah. the, the terms. And so, and that's when I came over and I had a, I had a good time with it. And so oh, I, good. I, I, looking back, you know, some, I, everything was a, was a lesson. So, and I'm, today I'm still learning. I'm a lifetime student of the dogs. <laughs> that is awesome. Well, what do you think is important for breeders to keep in mind, especially if you're breeding American bullies? You know, I think right now the thing we have to consider really is health and structure. You know, those are the most major things that we're having problems with right now. You know, um, by introducing some of the other breeds into these uh, dogs, uh, right. we brought their problems onto them. You know, uh, the American Bully has, uh, you know, traces of English Bulldog, you know, uh, Oldie Bulldoggy, you know, other types of breeds of that nature to get the size, the heads and that. And with those, you bring their problems. So, you know, with the tail and so forth and, you know, uh, rear, rear, rear assemblies, you know, different breathing problems, you know, so that, so you have to do your due diligence, try to find healthy dogs and breed those dogs together. And, right. and, and it's coming to there. They're, they're actually doing a much better job of it. They're being more selective in their breeding, what they're doing. And, uh, it's working out. You think so, um, but you know, I, I think the most of the thing is try to focus on good health. You know what I'm saying? Um, yes. a lot of people are really firm believers in health testing. And I understand that, but, uh, it's it's another thing. It's another thing that it's a difficult thing to make everybody do because it's costly and stuff like that. And there's a lot of people that just won't move forward with it, you know. And uh, but in the same token, I think that I, I don't want to sound like I'm against health testing. I'm just saying sometimes you know, 
some of the problems are obvious when you look at the dog. Right. And there are a lot of hidden problems as well. Yeah. So, you know, saying, so I'm not against people that don't want to do it. I'm just saying, just make sure you do your research. Yes, absolutely. Now, I want to go back to the judging for a moment. So I'm assuming as a director of judges, you would have to pick judges as well. And, and if so, what did you look for in judges? You know, that's a good question, you know, because like I said, I was director of judges for MacBack for two different registries, oh, okay. uh, the two major registries. And, uh, you know, I helped set up the criteria for the uh, requirements to become a judge. And the requirements were a minimum of four years into the breed. Okay. You had to have had handled uh, at one time. I don't know if they still do or not, but at one time you had had to have handled five dogs to their champion title. One had to be a bred by, and the term bred by means that you have have to have bred the dog and raised this puppy in your own home and uh -huh. to a champion title. And the other thing was you had to take a test of terminology and ring etiquette. So these were things that I helped set up with a group of other people to establish criteria for judges. It was not just pick somebody out of the crowd and do it. It was right. like that in the very beginning, but when you put competitiveness in something, people get very serious. So now you have to step up your game and you have right. to listen to them and meet their needs and requirements. So that's what we ended up doing. We ended up uh, creating a criteria for judges to apply and uh, it worked out pretty good. At one point in time, oh, I probably helped train uh, probably like almost 90 to 95% judges globally you know, that come to oh, me wow. for uh, you know green training and so forth. And we had a group of judges that worked with, again, the senior judges mm -hmm. that you had to be uh, apprenticed under. And I apprenticed uh, quite a few judges. So they, I would fly out and, you know, apprentice judges in different countries all over the world. So, uh, and I enjoyed doing that, though. It's one of the things where I enjoyed being a mentor and helping. That's you know, great. It's part of the thing that I've done. Like I said, this, I've always done that. You know, I coach football. You know, I coach right. baseball. And, and uh, those were just great ways to teach me how to deal with people and how to become a better teacher and get my message across you know yeah. so I, I attribute a lot of that to when i coached sports mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. you have to learn how to encourage people and bring the best out of them right. and so that's what i did when i came to the dog world so i, I really enjoyed it. i really enjoyed coaching because I, after i left coaching that's when i got back into the dogs again ah oh, see that's really cool now as a judge what do you look for an american bully you know we have written standards that we follow. So, you know, it's hard to explain what a judge is looking for sometimes because it's, right. it's more than just, you know, a pretty, pretty dog. You know, it's, yeah. it's a combination of many things. We have to understand skeletal structure. So we're looking at, we're, we're really literally trying to x-ray the dog as we're watching him, mm -hmm. you know, gate across the ring, whether he's yeah. going or coming or you're watching a side gate. And these are certain things that you learn from years of developing an eye. First of all, that's when you have to have so many years into the breed. So you right. can see what you're looking at because it's very hard to see like a layback of the shoulder. A lot of people say that, oh, I can see it immediately. And it's it's not true. It's very mm. difficult because, you know, there's, remember, you're trying to see that layback shoulder through fur and muscle and everything else. So, you know, it, it, it can be easy on some dogs and other dogs it's difficult depending on how thick they are, the coat, you know, so forth. And that's why a lot of times when you're judging dogs, you see a judge lay his hands on the dogs. He's feeling for the shoulders, yes. the shoulder angulation, you know, he's, he's pressing down on the spine to make sure it's got a nice strong back. Press the hindquarters to see that he doesn't collapse in the rear from a weak rear. Right. Uh, we check the length of the tail. The tail has to be a certain length. There can't be no kinks. And the kinks are part of the vertebrae. Although it's done the tail, who knows mm. if there's any more, you know, uh, distorted vertebrae in the middle of the back. Right. So those are the kind of things you learn. And you learn how to actually stack a dog, how to move the dogs. And these are the things that judges look for. They look for proper movement, you know, skeletal structure, you mm. know, the, the bite, you know, 
the eye separation. There's a lot of little detail to it. It's not, I wish it was an easy way to say, this is what we're looking for. It's, we look, we evaluate the dog from, from the tip of the nose to the tip of the tail. And there's a lot that goes on when you're doing that. And like that. it's, yeah, it's not as easy as everybody thinks that it is. You know, it takes years and experience. And this is why I encourage judges, new judges to go out and just to observe other breeds to understand the development of your own breed. Yeah. If you know the history of your dog, and you go back and look at the American Bully, and you go study English Bulldog or, or an Old Bulldog, and you go to the shows and watch the movies, and then you have a better understanding of what you're looking at in the American Bully sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's uh, it's it's more intense in extent than you may imagine to be a judge. It's not that easy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it seems like there's a lot that goes into it. And then you've got Frenchies at that show, right? And you got pit bulls. I mean, there might other, Frenchies, right? You got a lot of bulldogs, different types. Old Bulldogs, American Bulldogs. <laughs> you know, I've judged just about everything. I've, you know, I've judged, even judged. Uh, uh, Doberman Pinchers, I've judged Rottweilers, you know, uh, uh, oh, wow. Staffordshire Bull Terriers, you know, just about everything I've, uh, under the sun, I've judged, you know, yeah. and I've enjoyed it. It's been a real good, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, that's great. Now, what are some things that people should keep in mind when they start breeding? I mean, I, I'd assume mentorship is huge, but what are some other things that people, because you don't want to just jump into it, right? There's a and lot you, to you, it. you don't, you really want to do, you want to, you really got to have an understanding of puppies and birthing mm-hmm. and so that. So yeah. and too many people jump into this and they think that, you know, I'm just going to go out and, you know, have these two dogs smash together and I'm going to make puppies. <laughs> right. And uh, it's more to it than that. You know, the, the aftercare, the care for the mother, mm-hmm. the puppies. You know, uh, too many people think that this is just an easy task and they get themselves into trouble. And right. the next thing you know, they're in desperate need on some social media saying, you know, my dog is doing this. How do I stop that? Or my dog is sick. You know, these yeah. are things that should have been studied and understood before we get into this. Right. I mean, and the other thing that has really, uh, I think, hurt the breeding process is the the value of dogs. So many people think they're going to get in here and they can sell these dogs for a great amount of money. And they don't understand the work that's involved. To right. raise these puppies, you know, the cost of a C-section or if your puppies get sick, you know, you can you can invest a lot of money into breeding and lose a lot of money if you're yeah. not prepared. You know, right. so one things where you have to be prepared, you know, understand what you're doing, understand puppy care uh, right. before you jump into this ecosystem. Find yourself a good mentor. They're out there. You yeah. know, uh, I hear a lot of people saying that there's a mentor. They're there. It's just that you, know, so you have to seek them out right. and test the water. You know, the one man I can do, try another person. But I, I guarantee you'll find somebody that is willing to work with you and teach you the things you need to know. So it's right. it's 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 not that easy. Like I said, the best thing I can say is do your homework. Really research right. it out. Uh, the other thing is selling puppies is not easy. You a lot of these people have to have a reputation of uh, being in the breed for so many years. If you don't have right. that reputation, you're not going to sell your puppies for the money you think you can get. And in fact, you may not be able to sell them at all. You know, because uh, yeah. people want to go with somebody that's reputable, that has some history behind them. And yeah, uh, you're not going to be, you know, that fast to get what you're thinking of. You know, this is why the show and getting out to public so they can see who you are and see that you're involved helps with the breeding yeah. process. You know, um, right. if you don't know this person, you know, you're not going to get the sale that you think you are. Another thing, too, is there's a lot of clout chasers and mm-hmm. star chasers. You know, they want to go after this greatest dog or this breeder or so forth, you know, they're, they're chasing uh, the glamour of, of an individual and not the dog itself. So right. it's a, it's a tricky thing, you know, it's a, yeah. you know, and I tell people all the time, I mean, the crazy thing is that some people, you know, they got money in their pocket. They're just burn, burning a hole and they just can't wait to get away to the first fat fluffy puppy they see instead right. of doing their homework and trying to find the dog that fits them best. Yes. Yeah, that is super important. Cool. What do you hope to see in the bully breed community 10 years from now? 
10 years from now, you know, some, uh, again, like I yeah. said, they're, I, they're on the right track and I think we're headed down the right road. Good. Uh, the consistency is getting better. They're mm -hmm. uh, establishing the look, what the written standard was intended for. Right. You know, in the very beginning, in the developmental stages of the breed, it wasn't quite to par yet. It was such a new breed. And anytime you start with new breeds, it takes time to finally get that cookie cutter look and establish it. Right. And also to meet the written standards. For the longest time, we had a red standard, but we didn't have examples of the red standard. And they finally uh, had somebody commission someone to make renderings of the dog's paintings or pictures of the dog so that we could also read it and look at it and understand what they were writing about. Right. And the best way I can tell people this is when you have a red standard without visual uh, photos of, or examples, it's very it's hard to understand the red standard. Right. And the, the way I equate that is like, if we were to get five people to read a verse from the Bible, the same verse, mm -hmm. and ask all five people to give me their interpretation, we will get five different interpretations of that verse. True. See, so now if you have an example, a rendering, a photo, or a painting of a dog, or a picture, or a sketch, now we can equate the written to the visual, and we have a yeah. better understanding of what we're looking for, and we can move forward faster. You know? Yeah. So some of the things, it took time to get there, but they're, they're there. Everybody's doing it, and it's really working out. Yeah, that is so nice. Now, what's it like having a Frenchie? Is this your first time having Frenchies? You know, this is our first time having Frenchies. And I tell you okay. what, these guys alone, these guys are like, <laughs> they're the clowns of the dog world. Really? Uh, seriously. Uh, I you mean, lift I've them always, up a little. I got to see that face again. You know, I, I've always, I've Hi, always, baby. Uh, calm down, calm down. There you go. Look at mama. Right here. How old uh, is she? She's nine, like nine months old. Oh, my God. She's, she's a little, so she's cute. a little, oh, you're right, you're fine. <laughs> Girl, Chula. Oh, oh Chula. Que linda. Yes. Oh, she's so pretty. But uh, they're really cool dogs, man. You know, and nice. uh, and they're, they're becoming very uh, sought after and valuable. You think? Yeah. And uh, in fact, just recently here in my town, the next little town over, which is Clovis, uh, they had one just stolen there just the other day. They, they, they took a little mini Frenchie from an apartment from these people and they took all their Christmas gifts and everything. So, so it's become that's a situation terrible. where you see more and more Frenchies being stolen that's what because of the, the value that's been put on them. You know, terrible. Um, yeah, it is. It's kind of sad what's going on. You're saying so. That is. Uh, yeah, keep a good hold on her. Uh, oh, he is such oh, a. Oh, you're kidding. These, everybody loves these little dogs here. They're they're they lost their mind on. They're so cute. They're so much fun. <laughs> do you think you'll ever have a pit bull again, or do you still have one? I, you know, some I don't. I have American bullies. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Uh, yeah, I do have American bullies. They're, I have some really nice American bullies. Um, pit bulls. I, I don't think I will ever be without a dog. So if I ever, you know, if I ever leave the bullies, I probably have like a pit bull or an Amstaff. And the Amstaff yeah. pit bull are very similar breeds. They were, yeah. You know, one time you could register both UKC and KC. You know, oh, they were okay. registered. They were. You could have a dog that was actually registered UKC pit bull slash AKC Amstaff. But those are getting rare and far few between. You know, so they don't have very many left now. Oh, okay. And how many years did you breed pit bulls? Oh God, man, you're gonna age me now, girl. Uh, <laughs> I started breeding in 1983, okay, and I started uh, showing in uh, 1997, and from there I started judging in about 2003, and okay. moved forward from then. And I and I haven't stopped. You know, I've been doing it still. It's oh, slowing down a little bit, oh, but uh, okay. I've been doing it a long time. You know, that's great. Wow. Now, just out of curiosity, like, what do you feed your dogs? You know, I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not your typical. Uh, feeder the way most people feed the dog because you know everybody's told you know pick out a kibble and right. uh feed your dog this kibble and stay with that kibble right well one day i was watching a youtube on a veterinary doctor a lady and mm. she was talking about 
how dogs have weak guts because when you yeah. you change dog food, you know they can get diarrhea and they can you know it's, sometimes it can be violent diarrhea and it takes you know weeks for it to get over just by changing food. Yeah, she said what she did. She would every uh, I think it was like every month she would uh, change her dog food to a different brand, right? Oh, so what I do is I go out and I purchase uh, pretty premium quality dog foods. But what I'll do is I'll get duck, salmon, uh, right. lamb, and sometimes beef, depending on what it is. And I'll mix them all together, equal portions. Mm -hmm. And my dogs, they'll eat uh, that. And I have firm stools, no issues whatsoever. Uh, I can even take them off that, give them any other food, and they don't they don't have this bad weak gut. They stay firm. They still stay solid. And oh, I swear by it. The coats look fantastic. The bone, the, you know, the, the muscle structure, very healthy, really nice. Okay. And uh, I love it. I won't change that part of my program. I'll always do that. And uh, I, I, I find these little outlet stores sometimes that get premium dog food at a discounted price because they're getting near expiration date or something. And these guys eat it up so fast, they never make the expiration date. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. But, uh, but uh, like I said, I feed a lot of real premium dog food. Like I said, oh, that's and those, nice. are my, those are my go-tos. My three mainstays are going to be salmon, duck, and lamb. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you get a lot of nice essential fatty acids from the salmon, and that yes. is really that is so important for our dogs. Now, do you have spare time, or because <laughs> I know you're busy with the dog shows and your dogs, and do you have other hobbies that you like, or things you like to do? Oh, you see, uh, I really don't have a lot of hobbies. You know, I mean, yeah. I, I'm actually believing I'm a homebody. I like being in my yard, yeah, my backyard. Too. I love it. <laughs> you know, I have a I have a big fire pit back there. I sit back there, put a fire oh, in the evening. Sounds nice. You know, let my dogs play and so that. Uh, but my latest greatest thing for me is my granddaughter. She's been such oh, a blessing. I bet. My little Cameron. Oh my God, she's got my. You know, she's she's my new hobby. You know, oh. uh, I, I'm privileged that they they invite us over because we babysit her uh, on certain days because both their mom and pop work. You know, right. my yeah. my son is a deputy coroner he does like csi stuff oh wow uh, yeah really and cool. my daughter-in-law works for uh i believe it's child protective services mm, you know so, so they're important. both in law enforcement so the one way or another or government and they're doing really well and like i said it's just a blessing to go spend time with her and i just love the little girl and she's such a good baby there's no fuss on her you know wakes up smiling goes to sleep smiling you know i mean it's very rare, you know, rare to see her upset or crying you know <laughs> So she's That's, a real sweetheart, right? Oh, gosh. She's, you know, I had such a special relationship with my grandfather, and my daughter has a really special relationship with my husband's father. And it's just beautiful. I, oh, I love it grandparents. It it's such really a wonderful is, thing. It's so special. That's great. Now, how old is she? She just turned a year. She's actually, what's she's uh, 14 months old right now. I think. Oh, okay. Right Did she like. Baby. Oh, okay. Does she like being around the dogs? Oh, she loves the dogs. Oh, <laughs> man. She just goes nuts over the dogs, man. Yeah. From very, they, well, they have a little chihuahua over there, so she's always mm -hmm. had a dog and things. So, and Aww. she just loves them. And, they, and uh, one of the first words she learned was, you know, was uh, wow, wow, she calls me. And they, so, so she called the dog wow, wow. So, you know, so, you know, so, uh, oh, so, so yeah, cute. so she really has a love for the dogs already. Oh, that's fantastic. Well, what do you think of Bully Girl Magazine? I, you know, I'm, I'm very impressed with what you're doing over there. Honestly, mm -hmm. God, too. Like I said, I was watching some of your uh, blogs and I'm like, wow, you know, I, I seen the one where you did with a doctor. That was very interesting. Oh, good. Uh, yeah, and I think you did one other one. I think, or was that that the one with the with the uh, behavioral, like people that were depressed? I can't remember which one that was. I think oh, it was yeah, that's for another. Yeah, yeah, that's for another thing I do. But um, yeah, there. You know, I think 
I love to look at behavior and dogs and what's going on and do our dogs love us? And by the way, they do. Science has proved it. I don't think we need <laughs> science to prove that, but I, I'm a fan of science. So I'm like, why not? But yeah, there's some really good stuff out there. And you, you, you do an amazing job. You know, oh, you, when thank I came you. Forward, you came out and you invited me. And oh. then, you gave me, then you gave me the demand list. I was like, oh my, I hope I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest thing, you have to have Chrome. You got to hold your phone horizontal and you have to have a dog. And you do. Look at your dog. Look at you. Hi, baby. She's, she's actually shy. Right now. Oh, mama. Oh. Okay. Oh. <laughs> well, you're fabulous. Was there anything that we didn't touch on? Uh, no, Ron, you pretty that, much that's called Papa, a, Papa Pit. That we yeah, did. That's fine. <laughs> just, you know, the funny thing is, you know, it was so hard for men to call me Papa for the long time. Then they realized it was just a nickname. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. You know, but uh, yeah, no, honestly, some. I, the, the one thing I want to say is, some, I appreciate my community so much. Oh, that's great. Um, I, I've said this a thousand times, and it probably gets old, but I feel like thank you to the community that has supported me for so many years is so inadequate. You know, yeah. because. Uh, Again, a small-time boy like me would have never dreamt of, you know, traveling the world and That's seeing amazing. what I've seen, you know, from hang gliding in Brazil, riding elephants in Thailand, wow. you know, uh, caravel uh, bull in uh, Indonesia, wow. you know, just different things. Uh, right. I would have never have experienced those things if it wasn't for my community. Wow. And uh, I feel so blessed that uh, they've given me this opportunity. So this is why I'm so accessible, and I'm not. I'm not. Oh, that's great. Never been the portion that I will not refuse. To talk to somebody that because again i owe them so much that uh oh. I, I will never be that person that i'm above anybody else or right. anybody. you know i have the saying this is a sharp tongue never taught a lesson you yeah, know so some things were uh i'm so grateful and again i wish i wish i could give a hug to everybody because you know it's oh. some things that i, I would have never drank anything so to my community thank you so much well we appreciate you that's for sure now tell us all the ways to find you I, i'm on uh, <laughs> facebook and it's OG Ramos, I believe it's there. And on Instagram, it's the Mr. Papa Pit, all one word. You know, I'm there. And if you really need to get hold of me, my phone number is available. If you message me, so that, like I said, uh, I accept calls from people. I have people oh, all the time. Nice. You know, uh, it's it never stops. My poor wife thinks I live on my phone. You know, <laughs> because I'm always answering questions and calls and guiding mm -hmm. people and and trying to help people in the direction they're going with their breathings and so forth. So. That's I nice. stay busy. It's, it's nonstop. And plus, I have to care for my 14 dogs. So that's Wait, a lot many? of work. 14 dogs I have. Wow. Yeah. Oh, my and, gosh. Uh, well, they're, they're with me until they, you know, old and fade away. Nobody Aww. nobody gets uh, flipped out just because they're no longer breeding. or They stay with me until sure. they die, until they pass. Good. Yeah. That's and right uh, that's why I do very limited breedings. Uh, as mm -hmm. I wouldn't even consider myself a breeder because I only do one breeding a year. You know, oh, I do not okay. do, I do not do, like, I don't see how people come to do like four to six breeding. That's just, yeah. that's too much, too much work. And, and, that's a lot of work. and I think sometimes when I see that, I don't think they're really in the process of trying to better it. They're trying to financially secure themselves, you know? So, um, like, again, I don't do a, a lot of breeding. I'm very selective right. and I try to do my best with them. And, um, breeding is, is, is not always a success story. You know, there's, yeah. There's going to be hiccups, you know, that you, you, you think you're going to come out one way and it comes out the other. So it's one of those situations where you hope things turn out that we're supposed to, but, you know, yeah. uh, stuff happens. And things, so Right. Uh, now, but, is your one breeding a year? Is that bullies, American bullies? Yes, bullies. Okay. This is, this is, these puppies are here I have right now, the Frenchies, this is our first breeding. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, our first Frenchie breeding. And 
so we're not selling them. The wife says, nope, we're keeping them. She loves yeah. them so much. <laughs> so, okay, you will hold on to them. So, I don't know if we ever become successful breeders in the Frenchie world, but she wants to keep every single one of them. Well, they're just uh, ridiculously cute. <laughs> oh, they're, I'll tell you, they're amazing. They're so much fun. But yeah, we use them. You know, it, it's it's been a, it's been a great journey. I mean, you know, uh, hopefully I can do it for a few more years. I'm getting up there in age, and I'm getting tired sometimes. Yeah. Uh, airports are the hardest part for me. You know, I bet. it's a lot yeah, of travel. You know, oh, a lot of travel, and uh, airports aren't forgiving. You know, they oh, they only care rough. about the bottom line. You know, they don't they really don't care about passengers. Or so I mean, you you really be prepared when you travel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My husband and I travel from the couch to the kitchen. That's about it these oh, days. That's, that's the best travel sometimes. <laughs> I know. Talk about home bodies. Well, Ron, Papa Pitt, you are Ramos. You are fabulous. This has been such an honor. I've so loved our conversation. Everybody be sure to follow him, check him out and subscribe to Bully Girl Magazine and download the Bully Girl mobile app available in the Apple and Google Play stores. And if you want to see my beautiful dogs, my beloved Blue and my wonderful lab, Benji, follow me at Lisa Davis MPH. Rate, review, subscribe and keep coming back to the Bully Girl Magazine podcast. Thanks so much. Thank you. Peace. And we'll see you in the show ring. Thank you.